<clears throat> Good morning. Good morning. I think the uh, vein of truth I want to tap into this morning continues what Bill was just sharing about confidence in Christ. So let's pray to begin. Lord, thank you for this day that you've made that we can rejoice and be glad in. And we do. We love you, Lord Jesus. We want to love you more. I pray that you would bring life to us this morning through the power of your word and in the unction of the Holy Spirit. Um, that you would work in us things that we cannot do in ourselves. That your life would be manifested in our bodies in a way that would bring glory to you. So we just surrender to you this morning, Lord, our wills. And we pray that you would change our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I want to look at three scenes, three different scenes in Scripture. Um, and they all involve a fire. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Matthew's gospel account of the resurrection morning as Mary and the other Mary went to look at the grave of Jesus in Matthew 28. And I shared with you how I might block off those scenes if I were making a movie about that event. So I want to return to that last scene that we blocked off where um, we have a trucking shot pushing in on through the opening of the rolled away stone, the empty tomb, and it focuses the scene on the folded grave clothes alone. And then the scene fades to black. We transition now to a medium shot of a fire. And there are several people gathered around it warming themselves and superimpose the graphics three days earlier. So look with me now in John's Gospel, chapter 18. Jesus has been arrested by the Roman cohort and the officers of the Jews and he's been led to Annas first, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. Let's read together beginning in verse 15 of John chapter 18. It says, Simon Peter was following Jesus and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the slave girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it was cold and they were warming themselves. And Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. Now skip down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, it says again. So they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, being a relative of the one whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? 
Peter then denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Well, this was obviously the fulfillment of what Jesus prophesied to Peter in John 13, 36-38, when he said, Simon Peter said to the Lord, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. This is this has to be one of the lowest points in Peter's life. He loved Jesus. He passionately followed him. He felt confident in proclaiming that he would die for him. But Jesus saw through the boast and he knew the weakness of Peter's flesh. He was a strong and loud man on the outside, but fearful and intimidated on the inside. And this night, with Jesus being questioned and with fingers being pointed, it revealed the true Peter, the one Jesus knew and whom he loved. What are some key points that we can draw from this scene? Well, John 18, 18 says Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. So this is Peter standing by the fire, the fire of compromise. You could say that this is Peter by fire. Peter standing with the wrong crowd. The fire that he's warming himself by was built by Christ's enemies, those who are seeking to kill him. So our first principle this morning is we can never be warmed to the things of God when we're standing by the world's fire. We can never be warmed to the things of God when we're standing by the world's fire. We will always deny the Lord by the world's fire. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad companies corrupts good morals. The longer Peter stood there, the more he denied the Lord. Three times he denied that he even knew him. And then the rooster crowed. Now, Pat grew up in a rural area. I don't know if others of you have, but have you ever been near a rooster when it crows? It gets your attention. And they don't usually crow just once. Ours usually crows in sequences of 10 to 12 crows at a time how painful that must have been for Peter and how poignant for Jesus to have prophesied in that way so that when it happened it pierced him the sudden rush of remembering the words of Jesus will you lay down your life for me truly truly I say to you a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times Every time the rooster crowed, it drove the reality of his denial deeper and deeper. Are you one of his disciples? I am not. I am not. I am not. Peter is standing in the fire of denial. Now, I can imagine as the rooster crowed, perhaps Jesus looked up at Peter and when their eyes locked, Peter was undone, I'm sure. 
In shame, he could only turn and run away. A man who had confidently said, I will lay down my life for you. And now he's undone. Now we fast forward several days. Jesus has been tried. He's been crucified. He's laid to rest in a rich man's tomb, as was prophesied in Isaiah. On resurrection morning, the angel rolls away the stone and Jesus was raised from the dead. He then appears to the disciples on several occasions. Greg reminded us last week and his bill reminded again this morning of his appearance to two believers on the road to Emmaus, one named Cleopas and the other unnamed. And that night, Jesus revealed himself to them as he broke bread and gave it to them. And then he disappeared. And they said to one another, we're our hearts not burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us. So we've seen Peter by the fire of compromise. Now let's look in John 21 as we look at Peter in fire, the fire of cleansing. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. (laughs) They said to him, we will also come along with you. And they went out and got into the boat that night, and they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? Have you caught any? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find a catch. So they cast, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, that disciple, 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 that disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put his outer garment on, for he had been stripped down for work, and he threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, They saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. 
He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. What a powerful and emotionally captivating scene this is. The chapter begins with the disciples gathered together, but missing Jesus. After all that's transpired, what must have been stirring in their hearts and minds? We focused this morning on what must have been going on inside of Peter. What was he thinking? The haunting memory of rooster crowing and denials. The disappointment and sense of failure he must have been consumed by. His moment to stand up with Jesus and he failed miserably. What now? He may have been asking himself, what do I do with my life without Jesus? Even though Peter knew firsthand that Jesus was alive, he was resurrected. He wasn't there. He wasn't there now. He must have longed for something familiar, something comforting probably in a place of depression and great sadness, Peter decided to do the thing he knew best and that usually got his mind off his worries. He went fishing. Six other disciples went with him and they fished all night. It must have been a long night because they caught nothing. Another disappointment. Another failure. Then morning came. There was a man on the beach who called out a typical question for someone trying to start a conversation with fishermen. (laughs) Catch anything? Anything biting? (laughs) One thing unusual about this man, however, is that he called them children. You'd think that would get their attention and maybe rouse their suspicions a bit. But defeated, they simply yelled back, No! Cast the net on the right side of the boat. You'll find a catch. Oh, great. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) One may have opined sarcastically. Just do it. Nothing else is working. What else are we going to do? Suddenly the nets are full and turning excitedly to look at the man on the shore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John exclaimed, It's the Lord. It's the Lord. When Peter heard those words, he threw himself into the sea and quickly swam to shore. The others came in the boat while struggling with the nets full of fish. And when they got to shore, they found a charcoal fire with fish and bread on it that Jesus had built. Jesus had prepared. This was a fire built by Jesus. This was not the world's fire, as Peter had warmed himself in chapter 18. This was the Lord's fire. This was a resurrection fire. And the purpose of this fire that Jesus built is twofold. First, he made it to share a meal with his disciples, to fellowship with them as they'd done so many times before. It was the familiar that Peter longed for, not fishing. Secondly, Jesus built this fire to heal Peter. This was a fire built by the hands of Jesus in his purifying and healing love. Jesus says, come, have breakfast, come and eat. I have the food that feeds true hunger. After breakfast, Jesus turns his focus on Peter. And three times he asks him the same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? What's the significance of Jesus asking three times? Perhaps he is remembering in the courtyard when three times Peter had denied he even knew the Lord. Perhaps it was to heal that shame, that memory that haunts Peter. When Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, he used the Greek word agapeo, which is often used to describe self-sacrificial love. But in Peter's response, he uses the Greek verb phileo, a brotherly kind of love and affection, a love between good friends. Before Jesus was arrested, before he was crucified, Peter had boldly claimed that he would lay down his life. He would die for Jesus because he loved him that much, more than all the others. Having been humiliated and exposed at the sound of a rooster crowing, Peter no longer crows so loudly. Because of Peter's humble response, Jesus tells him to feed my lambs, tend my sheep, tend my lambs. In other words, Peter, since you're not thinking so highly of yourself now, now I can ask you to lead and to care for my people. The second time Jesus asked Peter again if he loves him using the Greek word agapeo. And Peter replies again, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Phileo. Then a third time Jesus asked, but this time he uses the verb phileo. Tony Evans notes that seeing that Peter is humbled, Jesus came down to Peter's level and met him where he was. Peter was grieved because the Lord had to ask him three times if he loved him. Three times Jesus spoke into Peter's heart and life. He called him Simon, son of John. It was as if Jesus was saying, you are Simon, son of John. You know who you are, and at the very heart of who you are, in your innermost being, do you love me? Peter responded, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. I know, Peter. Tend my lambs. Shepherd my sheep. Tend my sheep. Serve me by serving others. With these words, Jesus transformed the fires of failure into fires of forgiveness and release. The fires of denial are transformed into fires of deliverance. We all need to meet Jesus at this fire. We all have denials and failures in our past that hold us back and keep us from the liberating love of his forgiveness and deliverance. Hopefully we've been to the fire that Jesus has built and we've received from him the reality and the truth of 1 John 1, 9, which tells us plainly, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So now we've seen Peter by fire. We've seen Peter in fire. Now look with me in Acts chapter 2 as we see Peter on fire. Imagine this scene as we begin to read in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. 
And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why not are all of these who speak in Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of them in our own language, which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Serene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying one to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, eh, they're full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exulted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat 
one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus, raised up again to which we are all witnesses, therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. What a sermon. (laughs) Would love to have heard it from him rather than me. What a sermon. Delivered without compromise, without guilt, without fear. What a transformation in Peter. The scripture says Peter stood up, raised his voice, and declared. The world's fire compromised him. But resurrection fire healed him. And Pentecostal fire filled him and empowered him. It burned away the fear that used to plague him when he warmed himself by the world's fire. This was a fire of declaration. I am his. He is mine. If God be for us, who can be against us? The Holy Spirit is given to each of us believers as a promise, a seal, with the purpose of revealing the truth of Scripture to us and igniting the life of God within us, transforming us to be more like Jesus and setting our mouths ablaze to proclaim Him boldly to a lost and dying world, all to the glory of the Father. In these three scenes this morning, we've witnessed Peter at his lowest and his highest. He was by the world's fire, then he was in the Lord's fire, and then he was on fire for God. So the question this morning is, which fire represents us where we are today? Are we warming ourselves by the world's fire? If so, we'll deny the Lord when our opportunity to be his witness comes along. Are we needing to be in that fire that Jesus builds to allow him to speak into our lives directly to those places that need healing? Or are we on fire for him? Maybe a combination of the three. I think we can all identify with some aspect of Peter's walk, though. None of us are perfect, not even close. May the Holy Spirit this morning stir our hearts, though, to make decisions we need to make 
to step away from the world's fire in order to be in Jesus' fire, to be in that place of of brokenness and, and openness to what He wants to do in us, that we can receive healing from Him. And then we need to be in that place, that upper room, that place where the Holy Spirit can meet us and set us on fire through the Word in both word and deed. So we want to leave the world's fire, go to the resurrection fire for healing, go to the upper room for the Pentecostal fire for power to live our lives in a way that glorifies God. I hope our hearts this morning are burning with these words from the Master. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for the myriad of examples in Scripture that draw us closer to you. I thank you for the intricate way that you dealt with Peter, that you loved him on such a level that, God, you could build a fire on the beach and cook a meal for him to bring him to a place where you could heal those doubts and those failures that he was burdened with. I pray for each of us this morning, Lord, that you would bring the reality of the truth of your word into areas that we need to hear from you. Areas that we need to surrender to you. Like Peter, there have been times perhaps when we've been boastful about our relationship with you. And Lord, we're humble this morning. We are nothing apart from you. We can do nothing apart from you. But our desire, Lord Jesus, because you've imparted your spirit to us, our desire is to be pleasing to you, to be closer to you, to be honest with you and to be changed by you in such a way, Lord, that the world could see you in us and be drawn to life. That's the only reason we're still here, right? Lord, you're tarrying that others might be drawn to you. How can someone be saved if there's no preacher? Lord, you're working in people's hearts this morning, perhaps even here, to draw them closer. But you've called us to do as Peter did, stand up and speak forth. We pray for that dunamis power, that dynamite power of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. Lord, don't allow us to become slackers to become complacent in where we are. Lord, draw us ever closer in the purpose in all these things that You would be glorified. Lord, give us that vision of that glorious day when You will return for us or call us home. May our energies and our efforts Be directed, Lord, to being faithful witnesses for you.
We love you, Lord Jesus. We ask it in your name. Amen.